why don't people vote? It's often the feeling that it won't make a difference if they do. Not understanding what the elections are about and feeling disconnected from the candidates. This podcast will help you get connected to the candidates and learn about what these elections are about. My guest today is John Buffery, who is running for mayor. He was passionate about safety all his life, and he is developing risk protocol for a living. Buffery is passionate about supporting the tourism industry in Nelson. Let's get to know him. Hi, John. So you're a risk expert, and it's the most relevant thing right now with the climate challenges we are facing. Can you talk a little bit about your work and what kind of risk are you dealing with? Yeah, sure. I work at a senior level position in the provincial government um, in the risk management arena, writing standards, policies, and procedures uh, to protect the public. Um, and prior to that, uh, I was 18 years, I owned a successful corporation consulting in mountain safety management for feature films all throughout the world. And uh, even still contract that t- to these days, once in a while, I was a mountain safety risk manager for Sonic the Hedgehog number two that came to Caslow last year. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah, that's what I do. So safety all your life. What drives you to safetyness? Yeah, yeah. I grew up with uh, eight kids in my family, and it seemed that I just kept corralling all of them to uh, in, a, in a household. I kind of joke about that. But um, were you the oldest? Uh, I was the third eldest. But uh, yeah, it was just the age that worked out. But what, what it really came to is just the passion of trying to be in the mountains as much as I could. Just wanting to be safe all the time. So I just had this uh, knowledge, something in me that just wanted to learn more about the environment that I was always working in, snow. And so I educated myself as best I could as my career evolved into being in the mountains for over 40 years uh, as that is my career. And it evolved into a real blessing of, of fortune with following that passion of doing uh, risk management. It's interesting yeah. because many people go to the mountains because they want to feel the risk. They want to have this adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really think, I don't, you know, people talk to me as being a thrill seeker. And certainly in my career, paragliding and, and rock climbing and mountaineering and snowboarding, for sure, all of these things are at, uh, can be at a high risk. When I think of risk from educating myself in it through an international organization, Risk is actually a band. There's ro- low risk and high risk. And so it, it's operating in that zone. So it's not really a risk. Things aren't just risky. Everything has a risk, whether it's low or high. And you just have to know where you are on that scale. And to know where you are in that scale, you just have to learn about all the uncertainties in the object that you're trying to occur. And then educate yourself. And then the more education you know, the uncertainty drops and your confidence grows and you make right decisions. So you're talking about calculated risk from educated place. In politics, risks are different. It's like risking your name, your reputation, what you have accomplished, maybe risking saying something that is unpopular and losing votes. So how 
those political risks being different or the same from your day-to-day job and how do you approach them? Yeah, that's a good question. Wow. It's really interesting you should say that. In, in all of my analysis and evaluation of doing anything in risk with what I do with the, with the work with the Ministry of Transportation Infrastructure to uh, the things I do in the mountain, even privately, You're absolutely right. You nailed it on the head. Anytime you do any of that, your reputation is, is paramount and it's in every calculation. So it takes, it takes eons, your whole life, to develop a reputation, which for me, I've been very fortunate in, in having a strong reputation, a positive reputation in, in the work that I've done. Certainly not luck, but it's about being prepared for it. And how it pertains to putting yourself out there and, and finding the middle ground versus where you stand. Again, people who know me know how I stand and what my values are and my, my vision. And that's what I, I stand for. So as I come forward to try to portray that vision and those goals to our beautiful city, That's what I'm calling out to. And if I resonate with you, you resonate with me, then we will move forward together with a great plan and good communication and, and we'll make our beautiful town growing in the positive direction with the shared values we have. So what is your values that you want people to know and, and connect to? Mm-hmm. You know, I think I really want to have uh, our town uh, overall just to be healthy, And uh, expressive and I want everybody to be able to feel like they're communicating and contributing to to how we see the town grow when I look back at the town and the city of how it's evolved even prior to to white men when the cynics and the Tanaha and the silks came to this area it was it was a spiritual place for them you can see it on the rock walls where they've got pitographs etc When our pioneers first came through here, how you know I mean it, it could have been like other small towns where there were, there were wooden buildings, but as it kind of became this center, this district center with the miners bringing uh, their ore in and and then a trains coming here to transport it to smelters, it built into like stone walls and stone buildings and homes became beautiful Victorian homes and it just developed this care. This culture, this quality that uh, kept emerging and growing to where we had a performance theater in the 20s and a, a movie theater and music was a thing and like world-class performances would come through here. The deciduous trees that are not providence to this area but grow here because of our, our geography and our, our climate. I mean, all of these visions that everybody has seen from the past Have grown into this fantastic culture and again thanking all those those pioneers the Dukabors and the Japanese that the orchards that used to be here all those groups that really kind of have kind of set the tone for who we are and where we want to keep going and that's so, the value you want to carry forward Okay, so you're talking about the culture that had developed here since Nelson was formed. That's okay. So maybe we can extract your values from, from what you said, maybe honoring what we have, culture development, ingenuity, safety, of course, 
Uh, is that right? And what else would you like to add to the list? I find when you know me and you get to uh, meet me and chat with me, you can tell that these values, they kind of emote out of who I am. I am approachable. I'm, I am so approachable and I have a, a genuineness with me. I'm, I'm a really good listener and I, I'm process driven. I have systems in me. That's kind of how I work. So as we communicate, I kind of listen to what you have to say. I'm not really processing exactly for a retort of what you're telling me. I'm trying to absorb what you're saying without bias. And, and I'm trying to incorporate what it is that is the issue for you. And I'll absorb that. And then I'll take that with every other observation of certain issues and move that forward to making good decisions based on the inputs from everybody that is unbiased. So that's what I would say. I'm an open book to learn and hear. And that's earnestness. It's, that's one of the biggest values that I have. Please share this podcast on social media and messaging apps. This selection will influence how much taxes we pay and what they're used for. It will determine how we deal with the housing crisis, environmental emergencies, and support lower-income families. The link is nelson2022.ca. Please share it now and come back for the rest of the conversation. So you've mentioned how you listen and absorb what people have to say and also mentioned being non-biased. And I think this quality is very missing in our communication today and causing polarization in the world. And you have developed a protocol to reveal biases working with risk. Can you talk about that? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, yeah, as I said, this structure that I learned uh, about 15 years ago, the International Standards Organization 31,000, was a, a consortium of 50 professionals throughout the world who made this transparent process system of how to understand what your principles are as a group, as a standard. And then everybody kind of ag- agrees to that. And then from there, you build up a really strong framework of your intention and what your company is all about. And the, and the processes and standards and policies and procedures of what those are. That's a framework of whatever organization you're in in risk management. And that has stemmed out into the medical world, to the business world. The third component is to uh, know what your objective is on the day, so your specific task that you're aiming to go toward. And then again, this transparency of, of really clearly outlining what your objective is, and then moving to an assessment which is broken into three, where there's no bias, it's an observation of data. All the data you can, and when you don't know something, there's uncertainty involved, try to break down what you don't know and acknowledge what you don't know. Yeah. And that what you do know, you, you absorb it and you play out different scenarios in an evaluation. You weigh which scenario works out the best and you apply it. And in that application, in the treatment of targeting what it is you're trying to achieve, And, and addressing the risks at hand, you take that task, you move forward, you take action, and you reevaluate it once it's done to make sure that it's complete and it's what you want to accomplish. 
and then you adjust what you need to to make it better and then move on and do it again with another evaluation and another treatment. So it's a circle and a cycle. And it, all, it always, has, always has communication in between every step and stage along the way. It's applicable to everything. Your relationships with your family. It's a really, really cool process looking at any decision-making that's challenging. I like that in this model, there, it's a circle and you keep evaluating. So often what we see, people tend to do some research, make their conclusion and hold on to those conclusions, even when reality and facts have changed. And this model forces you to keep your mind open to change. You know, I've always had this little philosophy in my mind where when you're, you're seeking an answer and an answer comes to you, if it comes easily, often you've stopped the query of, of looking further. So I really think a lot of the times it's really good to seek an answer, but don't give in to the absolution of that answer. Just be curious all the time for other inputs as, as you just laid out there. Things change, time changes things as well. Yeah. I want to talk about transparency and let's talk about it at work and then see how it applies to politics because I can imagine that you find that maybe a mountain is maybe risky or I don't know, with averages of risk <laughs> and how, how much to be transparent with public, yes, to drive there, not to drive there. And eventually you need to make a decision and there is some maybe... I'm imagining I have no idea, yeah. uh, we, you know, how much to be transparent with public, how much mm -hmm. it will cause yeah. hysteria. Yeah, yeah. And again, like with politics, it's the same. Like mm. how much you want to say to people, this is now situation like this and this, and this is dangerous and risky. Oh, very good. That's a great question. Yeah. I think I know where you're going at. And it's kind of a broad, encompassing question that you're asking, but it's, it's really great. I'll try to kind of, we'll see if I'm hitting the pin here for you. So in the world of risk and how it pertains to a mountain and perhaps politics in, in what is our challenges or issues of the day with our town and our community, we have this perception of what risk is. Uh, as if you see me in the mountains, your perception of what I do is high risk. My actual acceptable risk limits so it's a perception of risk based on your education, which is what it all comes down to, as I was explaining to you early. I want to talk again about the transparency and learn from your procedures and the, the things that you have developed and work. How do you approach that? I can imagine a situation that there's a chance of avalanche risk, but it may be just 10 or 20%. And then you still need to make a decision if to share with the public or, you know, and things that are more gray area. Yeah, I, I think I hear what you're saying. So transparency would come from the, a, a clear, clean process. So if it's honest and earnest in its process, the transparency to share that information is super key. I think there has to be a combination of summarizing so that it's understandable and, and attainable to people. But at the same time, as you drill further, you can see where the decision came to from the, the collection of information you got. Um, so 
honestly, I don't see why you would want to hold back any information in any decision you've made. It's really important to have people's input to, to how it is that the town is, is managed. That's how I see it. I don't see the complication of having closed camera sessions, except for where there's exposure to people's private information or legalities and such like that. But certainly uh, involving the community is super important. Thank you. I'd love to hear your professional take on Nelson Next Plan from the risk management perspective. You know, I, I really think that uh, the beauty of it seems to be uh, ahead of its time in, in any other community with the details of what it is. But the beauty of it is, is as we just discussed there before, it, the process of it circles back to, to reassess what objectives we're trying to gain and then adapting to those changes, which is so reflective of, of, of the target of what we're doing, talking about climate change. I think, you know, the, the, the steps and the, and the goals to get to moving forward are, are pretty high level when you look at it. But as you drill down into it, as I was saying, there's amazing, amazing progress and things for the public to kind of gain as individuals. I was just talking to, um, one of the um, the CEO, the executive director, who was suggesting that there's now a program for upgrading some of the appliances in some of the houses in townhouses and, and trailers, where it used to be just talking about re- reducing carbon emissions through the towns, like a house through the embodied carbon or the operational carbon emissions in homes. But there's kind of now this new acceptance and money going out to, to collect this information for, for townhouses and trailers. And there's, uh, there's a process to, to help these people buy new appliances that are, are um, yeah, it's either better for the environment, they're more effective and they don't burn as much fuel. And what I really like about it is it's expansive and it's taking these tangents that weren't initially part of the whole program, but uh, it's certainly working out now for them. Yeah, I really like it. I think uh, the group that are in it, they're passionate. And I'm really, hats off to the council and chamber for making this happen and moving forward with it. Okay. I can assume that if you're running for mayor, you want to see the city is being run differently. What would you do different? The city's had a lot of successes, to be absolutely honest. I would like to see the, um, the communication from my sector of people, the people of like-mindedness for me. We kind of collect together and, and gain weight in a voice that moves forward our values. And one of those larger values is to ensure that our, our tourism, which is from my sector of the past of really knowing really well as a mountain guide is, is really taken forward. I would love it to see that we ensure that our surroundings in the forests are safe for us as a community. And they have the aesthetic values of what our community wants and it helps our tourism <clears throat> that's what I would like to see. That's what I see as the prime, prime, prime direction of where I want to take our town. So more tourism and... Yeah, well, the tourism is here and the, the tourism has certainly taken over. I understand how the resource extraction industry 
is the greatest contributor to the GDP for Canada and BC. I get that. And I understand that it, it helps our hospitals and all of those things. And there's great ways to manage that. I think we should have a greater voice as a community to inputs of how that occurs and to emphasize the strength of where we're changing to now. We are now a tourist community and let's have the vibrancy of our retail down the street uh, a part of that and our recreation a part of that, our intellect part of it. And you know what? You know that there's a fallout from all that too. I want to ensure that uh, as a society, we look after those that don't have the skill sets that we, we do. So you can, you can gauge the strength of a community and how it treats those it need and those that don't have the successes that we do. So as a value, we need to make sure that part of our town is looked after as best as it can be. You know, and also to support the tourism, whew, you know, having, having the full gamut of allowing people to live here because it has, there's 175 permits for building last year that granted to the town. So it's growing. How do we make sure that we have support for those that can live and work here that, that work in the tourist industry, which is generally a little bit lower paid, a complex issue, but certainly needs to be supported wherever and whenever we can. Yeah. As well as a succession of having the families that grow up here, how they're able to gain equity to live and buy a place here too. Thank you for listening. My name is Yael Feiner, and this was John Buffery. Next, we're going to talk with Keith Page, who is running for city council for the second time. We need purpose-built rentals. We need supportive housing, which is funded housing for people on low income. We need rent-to-own situations. We need co-op housing with shared equity. We need single-family homes and we need condos. And I know people generally will cringe at the word condos, but both regionally and in the city of Nelson, we need to identify specific gaps and, and we, we see the impacts on our streets and we need to build that kind of housing. Please subscribe to this podcast and listen to the other candidates. See you next time.